Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. The case numbers today, new cases, 538 uh, with three that have passed away. Uh, Quebec, man, they are reeling 933 new cases today and six have passed away. Uh, follow the protocols. You know what to do. All right, uh, we've talked, uh, I guess it was several weeks ago now, about the uh, COVID-19 app and that, uh, you know, the, the uptake in Ontario was, uh, you know, I guess uh, all right considering, but then it still hasn't uh, it still hasn't uh, been implemented by many provinces across the country. To talk more about all of this and where we are with it, and if the second wave is the time to really put the uh, the pressure on this, uh, let's bring in Carmi Levy, tech analyst. He is with us now. Carmi, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. Oh, great to be here. Yeah, thankfully, uh, same, same thing where I am, hunkered down, just trying to stay safe like everyone else. I hear you. So, what would you? How would you grade this app? Like, would you give it an A, B, C, D? Where, where would you? How would you grade it on its effectiveness to do what is it is intended to do? Well, in terms of from a you know, let, let's look at it from a technological perspective and an implementation perspective. The technology that was rolled out is, I'll give it an A compared to apps that we've seen in other countries. It was far more uh, uh, controlled. It was far more focused, way better at the privacy thing than pretty much anyone else. They clearly learned the lessons from other countries that collected too much information, were too invasive, uh, you know, that sort of led to a whole lot of uh, sort of in-use issues, let's call them, you know, people's uh, personal contact information being breached, people being shamed for going out, and their app was routing them out. Um, and so this app was, you know, the best of the best, uh, leveraging the best technology from Apple and Google, uh, Shopify and BlackBerry got involved, the Linux Foundation. I mean, you know, basically technological, technologically, it could not get any better than it did. So, you know, an A. Now, the problem is, is an app is only an app and it really doesn't do a whole lot until it's put in the hands of people who use it every day. And that's where we start running into problems. On, on an implementation basis, we're lagging. We're, we've, we've barely had, we're about 2.9 million people across the country have downloaded it. We've had only, across Ontario, we've had just over 500 positive notifications. In other words, 500 times people were flagged by the app. You have come in contact with someone, uh, and, you, and, and then they subsequently reported it to public health authorities. Uh, which sounds like, you know, those numbers are disappointing to say the least. So, you know, in the real world, Canadians, uh, both on an individual basis as well as on a provincial basis, our leaders have some blame here too, aren't doing enough to download it, use it, make it part of their routine, add it to their toolkit so that we can all get through this pandemic safely. That's the problem. The human, the human factors, as they always are hmm. when it comes to technology, they fall short. You know, Carmi, when this was talked about towards the beginning of of the pandemic and then eventually rolled out, it seemed like everybody was interested in it. And then, you know, when push came to shove, ah, never mind, I'm not going to bother with it. Is that possibly because the numbers were flattening towards the latter latter part of the summer? I think so. I mean, you hate to say that, uh, you know, good news led to, uh, you know, less than optimal behaviors, but that seems to be the case here. I just don't think... You know, around when the app first went live in Ontario, July 1st, and there had been a lot of talk about it in June and July leading up to it, uh, I think just a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the worst is over. We're starting to loosen the restrictions. We're all getting outside. Uh, maybe this pandemic wasn't so bad. And so I think that sense of urgency just wasn't there at the time. And the problem is, is, is people pay a lot of attention around the time the app first becomes available. 
and then they forget about it. They move on. So it really didn't register high on people's radar on July 1st in and around. And then very soon thereafter, when things started to go back downhill and that second wave started to, to sort of loom on the horizon, well, by then, nobody was focusing on the app anymore. They were talking about other things. So to a certain extent, yeah, the app you know, was and is a victim of timing. But that doesn't make that gap any less concerning as citizens. It's kind of up to us to go back to the app store, revisit it, start having those conversations with our family members and say, hey, maybe we missed out in July. Maybe we didn't do the right thing then. Maybe we should do that now. Uh, should does, does this need to be right the way across the country to be effective? Or if we can just get larger provinces like Ontario and Quebec to buy in, that will make a great difference. Or does everybody have to be involved across the country? Well, you know, in the ideal world, everyone would have just said, sure, let's go right now. And every province would have flipped it on from day one. Um, you know, the plan was, though, for Ontario to be the pilot province, and then the other provinces would join in fairly quickly. So far now, we've got four. There's Ontario, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador, and Saskatchewan. And that represents, that covers just under half, about 45% of the Canadian population. So good, but not great. And there's still some back and forth, for example, Alberta uh, health officials have been uh, arguing with federal health officials in the media about who's holding up the bus. And so I think, you know, that that back and forth needs to stop. Provincial health authorities need to get on board. The federal government needs to grow a spine to force everyone else on it. They've been so far very passive. They're like, we can't force the provinces to participate. You're the federal government. Draw a line in the sand and make sure everyone gets on board because the clock is ticking. The numbers are going up. And this is a tool that could really help everybody from coast to coast to coast. And we don't seem to have one leader who's standing there saying, we're going to make this happen. And to me, as a Canadian, that's incredibly disappointing. Well, it's funny, Carmi, because, again, you know, everybody's talking about the lapse and how people perhaps let their guard down and don't forget to mask up, keep your social distance, wash your hands, uh, your bubble's small, but then no mention of the app. Mm-hmm. And I think that's problematic because, the, you know, if you look at your sort of your personal plan to get through the pandemic, there are a bunch of different things that you do. No one thing is going to keep you safe, but if you have a bunch of different tools in your toolkit, uh, so the mask, uh, you know, social, you know, having a small social bubble, being careful about where you gather, um, you know, careful about when you're in the grocery store, keeping your distance, all those all those really good things, washing your hands all the time. Um, but you're right. We don't talk about the app and we should because that's another one of those uh, pieces of a very large puzzle uh, that we all need to, to keep in mind uh, as we move through this very challenging period. And so I think it needs to become part of the national dialogue. Uh, and I think those who are responsible for it need to do a better job of raising that awareness. Maybe it needs some more marketing. You know, we've got those ads from the Ontario government all the time, but they never include mention of the app. And I don't know why. You know, it, it wasn't enough to just launch it and forget it. You've got to keep that drumbeat of messaging up so that people know that it's an issue. And eventually they'll get tired of being harangued through those ads. They'll just go download it so, so they can turn all of those ads off. Uh, you know, over and above uh, the communication to get the app launched and out there, uh, we seem to still be having problems getting people to adhere to the protocol. Uh, here we are, 29 weeks into this, uh, Carmi. I don't think anybody doesn't know the message. I think everybody's 
got the message of what we've had, you know, what we have to do. Now the big, uh, you know, now the, the rally cry is, well, you know, maybe we should be hitting the younger demographic. Now this is spreading beyond this demographic, but for weeks we've been talking about 20 to 39 year olds and we should be using more social media, more technology, uh, in order to reach these people. Is it a case of the message not getting there? Or is it a case of people ignoring the message? What, do, you, do you think we need to, you know, obviously the app's a different story. We have to convince people uh, that this is the way to go and then get the message out. But is there anyone that isn't getting the message? I mean, people are, I guess the question is here, how do we how do we convince that all-important demographic to play along? Is it that they're not getting the message or is they're just ignoring it? I think it's a bit of both. I think, first thing, the density of messaging, messaging needs to be upped. In other words, uh, we need more messaging, better messaging across all platforms. I'm still not seeing it to a, to a great degree. For example, in my Facebook and Twitter feeds, I spend a lot of time there. I know my kids spend a lot of time on Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok. Why are the ads not appearing there? Someone's got to have a digital strategy for messaging as well as a conventional media strategy. And I think that's where the government has missed the boat. But at the same time, I think there's, uh, there's messaging fatigue. There's COVID fatigue. Uh, and I think a lot of people mm. are just really, frankly, sick and tired of being cooped up. And so they go out and they don't take those precautions. I walk the dog and people walk up right, right, right in back of me without paying attention, without distancing themselves from me. I have to constantly be on guard. And I, I'm, I'm aghast at how folks just don't seem to get it. Um, but I think here we are just over half a year into this thing. I think people are getting tired of it, um, but that needs to stop. So part of it is uh, let's look at our marketing strategy and redouble our efforts and do a better job, not just on the conventional media side, but on the digital media side. But on the other, you're a member of that Canadian public. It's time for us to get real. It's, this is not a joke. Uh, this is starting to, or it's not starting to, it is affecting, increasingly affecting people that we know. Everybody knows someone who's been affected by this and recognize that it could be you, no matter how old you are or young you are or what demographic group you fall into. So, uh, you know, again, I, I, I feel like I'm screaming into the wind, but, you know, Canadians, I'd like to think that we're a little bit more neighborly minded than, uh, than our neighbors to the south. And, you know, maybe we will get the message, but we have to keep that message up uh, so that people don't forget and don't forget the urgency of it all. Carmen Levy has been with us, tech analyst. More emphasis being put on the COVID-19 app as we head into the second wave. Still 20 million Canadians that do not have access to it. Carmi, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Great being here, Scott. You as well. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Lots of chatter about uh, specifically targeting that 20 to 39 age group uh, where the message seems to be lost. And the most new cases are of COVID-19, 20 or sorry, 60 to 70 percent of new cases are in that age group. However, now it has spread to the older demographic uh, above that. And uh, and pretty much from 20 to about 70, we're seeing those increases, 60 perhaps. Uh, so, it, you know, it's even growing beyond this uh, certain demographic, but there's been lots of chatter about how we reach them and should that involve different social media. I'm not sure that it's that the message is not getting out. I'm just thinking that the message is getting ignored. Uh, however, should we be redirecting this message so it better targets uh, those that are missing the mark? Let's bring in Shauna McDonald, PhD Assistant Professor, Department of Communication Arts, University of Waterloo, and is with us now. Shauna, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. So is this about the message not getting out and not landing on the proper ears, or is that once it gets there, it's being ignored? 
Um, no, I think it's I think it's actually a combination of both. I think that you're absolutely right that if the messaging is getting out there, it is being ignored because it's not being done on the proper channels. If you want to reach that youth demographic, you must use social media to convey your message. So that being said, uh, we've certainly seen what's happened, and, and I think this cat's already out of the bag. It's beyond this now, this demographic. But uh, that being said, I mean, you know, whether it was the, the shots we saw of Osega Beach or there was a similar situation here in Ancaster near Hamilton, um, it seems that, the, that those people do know the message. It's just that they're ignoring it. If we take that same message and put it on something that they're uh, more apt to watch, like a, a social media, is that going to change things? Because it appears that they know they're not supposed to do this, and they're almost defying that message. Yeah, and it might be because they don't feel like the message is being directed at them specifically. They might be in a moment, and I mean, I don't think we should necessarily um, assume how the entire demographic generation is thinking. Um, I think that to a certain degree, they may think it's not actually up to them um, to be to be doing this work of social distancing because they feel, you know, as young people, they feel invincible. Um, but they also might just not be getting the news. I know that their main source of news and info sharing is social media. And in particular, it's not things like Twitter, which are actually really good at disseminating um, this kind of information. They're on Instagram and TikTok. And those are really different kinds of media. So I think if the message got translated a little bit to those types of social media um, apps and platforms, then you might see them feeling that it was directed to them a bit more specifically. So on that note, Shauna, so what you're saying is, you know, the message might be getting out, but it's that the message doesn't concern them because it's not coming on their platform. If it was relevant enough to be directed at them, it would be on those platforms. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, one thing, if you think about both of those platforms, Instagram and TikTok, they're primarily visual. So the information you're going to get across is going to be very direct. It's going to be very quickly, um, you know, processed or made sense of. And it's going to be very quickly shared. So they can actually share those things a lot more rapidly amongst their social circles um, if it is that really tight, clear, visually heavy messaging. That's how they operate. That's how their brains work. That's how they process information. So, you know, you got to meet them at that at that level. I think another key point, though, is that they're probably also tuning out because they're getting a lot of shaming and blaming. Uh, You know, images are being circulated. What's wrong with these kids today? And it's like they're not going to tune in if that's what they're they're seeing in the media being said about them. Yeah, nobody wants to see a big finger wagging at them, telling them what to do when they've been inside for six months. So uh, you're the expert here. How should we be doing this? What should the message be? So obviously you've stated we should get these uh, these messages onto these other social platforms just to prove it's relevant to those that use them. But what should that message be? What should we be delivering? Well, so one thing we know about this, this age group is that um, they actually work really well with humor. So if you can find a way to make them feel that the message is being directed at them as young people and it has it's being done with as much humor as possible. So it's not the blame, but it's actually kind of like getting at their level. They this is how they operate. They are they're meme factories. They make memes every day, you know, the image with the text that kind of gets circulated uh, rapidly. If you can use that kind of platform, that kind of messaging and, and keep it light. But just also get the message across, like, hey, everyone, we're all in this together. That works for a large group of people. But, like, how can you specify that to their humor? There are certainly people in the government who are of a millennial generation who can figure out how to speak that language and translate it into an Instagram kind of meme or a TikTok viral dance. 
So this isn't a case of, you know, showing a meme or something on social media uh, or, or any of these other platforms uh, of a younger person, perhaps, who's suffering, who has had a bad turn with this. That's not the answer. No, I don't think that kind of, you know, appeal to fear is going to work again with this with this uh, group. I think it has to be. I'm not going to say upbeat, but somewhere where it's like also proactive. So it's not like this is what could happen to you or this is what you're doing wrong, but this is what you can do right. These are possibilities of how to do this. And it's just simple. You know, I mean, we all know what the messaging is, but at the same time, you know, the way that we're being told to social distance and stuff like that, maybe it applies to more of like um, a family structure and so like relationships between like grandparents and grandchildren. So what specifically can we say to younger groups of people and how they hang out and, and specify like, you know, game with each other online, don't do it in person. Uh, you know, like that kind of thing. I think message that's particular to how they actually hang out would be very useful. Uh, great points. Uh, despite this, are we getting the message after six months? I think the message keeps changing. And I think sometimes it's too little too late. And I think sometimes it's the same thing over and over. And yet we're not seeing the changes we want in society. So I don't know. Um, you know, I think even as someone who's following this uh, in my 40s and who studies this, I find the messaging is, is sometimes hard to grasp. And, you know, how are we uh, with media going to work with that reality? We're all tired. We're all stuck at home. We're all managing really difficult scenarios. What kind of messaging do we actually need right now that's going to help us to understand where to go next. Wow, that's interesting. That uh, advice for people who are listening and trying to make sense of these messages. Yeah, yeah. My advice for that. Um, I mean, I always want to emphasize because there's so much um, misinformation out there right now. I really want to emphasize putting your faith in experts and and governments and institutions who are going to be telling you the most up to date. Um, Information, I think, is central, but also go to the type of media that makes the most sense to you. So for some people, that might be Facebook. For some people, it might be news radio, uh, the daily briefings, the nightly news, whatever it is. Just stick to your your the place that you're the most comfortable, where it makes the most sense, and always make sure that the source is verified, that it is coming out of a verified journalistic source or from the government and not sort of things that are being shared a bit more um, loosely on our social media. Shauna McDonald. Shauna McDonald has been with his PhD assistant professor, Department of Communication Arts at the University of Waterloo. Fascinating discussion, Shauna. We'll uh, certainly chat about this again. Thanks for your time. Be well. Thanks very much. Take care. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.